0: Welcome back to the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia, and it's been a fitting farewell for David Warner at the SCG, with Australia wrapping up the NRMA Insurance Test Series three 0 against Pakistan. Louis Cameron's there in Sydney, and he joins me, Josh Schonafinger, and Louis. That was a pretty special finish for the Australian opener.
1: It was pretty special, Josh. It was really, um, you know, kind of felt special even walking in this morning. Um, we got there, you know, maybe an hour, um, maybe seventy-five minutes before play, and. The fact that he did go out, um, you know, that he wasn't there at the end, it was almost better in a way because it kind of meant that he had the whole crowd to himself and um, no one was following him off the ground and he just kind of had that beautiful moment where the whole crowd could, could kind of get around him and um, and just had that really special moment. So, yeah, and, and, and the way he batted as well was just beautiful, wasn't it? It was kind of almost like to back to the way he started his, his career in, um, in
0: Australian colours. So a really, really nice morning um, and nice afternoon. Yeah, well, I was going to actually mention that walk-off, Lou, and and we haven't compared notes here either, listeners, but um, that was exactly what I was going to say because you see it in football or the round ball game a lot where the retiring play you know, gets subbed off with 15 or 10 minutes to go so they get the standing ovation from the crowd. Well, that was probably the perfect situation for one, although maybe his preferred situation would have been hitting the winning runs, but uh, this was probably his uh, second preferred option was getting the – all of the crowd, all the focus right on him, and it was a great way to finish. Well, so, I mean, third best, or some
1: might say first best, might have been Sajid Khan and Hassan Ali um, kind of cheering him off the ground. <laughs> by the and, <laughs> and, and, I mean, he just had such a great battle with Sajid, and it, Sajid just got grumpier and grumpier, and I just felt like it would have been, you know, and the, the, the spirit that this series was played in, I mean, that was, you know, that's going be going to be the bit that I remember most about this series, apart from, you know, the... The Warner week or the, the Warner month, I suppose. Um, it's just like these teams, uh, for whatever reason, just seem to get on really well with each other. And, um, you know, the Pakistanis, you know, we can talk about them in a bit, but, um, just so gracious and, uh, you know, could have easily won a couple of tests in this series if, um, if they'd be able to stand up in key moments.
0: Yep, spot on. Uh, Warner finished with 57 of 75 balls. It was a typical Warner innings. It was quintessential Warner, really. Uh, He looked pretty fidgety to me at the start and maybe a bit nervous almost that the occasion was perhaps getting to him just a little bit, but he found his groove before too long. And for all the good bowling that Pakistan put in throughout the series, Amir Jamal, Mir Hamza... uh, even Solomon Ali Aga, they were terrific in parts, but today they just didn't bowl their best, did they? They only had 130 to defend, and unfortunately it wasn't enough for the tourists today.
1: Well, puzzling, wasn't it? I mean, we didn't see Amir Jamal until I think it was the 20th over of the innings. And, yeah, that's right. Um, I, know that, I know that he hasn't bowled uh, until at uh, that point at certain times in the test series. He's probably come on to bowl even later, like he's you know, not necessarily a new ball bowler, but they're only defending 130, like you just got to get the guy who was player of the match, I think it was in the end and um, just about player of the series, you know, along with Pat Cummins. Uh, Pat Cummins got the nod in the end, uh, I think it was, but, you know, Jamal would have been a worthy winner as well, like he just had the bowl, like (laughs) just get the guy on Uh, and then when they did after the tea break, it was, um, sorry, after the lunch break, it was uh, just a little bit too late, so um, that was kind of bizarre. Yeah, they could have bowled a bit better, but um, I thought Warner and Manus Labrachain just really put them under pressure. and um, well, They almost kind of knew that they'd be sitting ducks if they just waited for Sajid or um, even Selman to, to kind of spin one back um, out of that raft. So, uh, you know, just it, it, it was just nice to see Warner. You know, it's been an up and down last couple of years of his career uh, in Test cricket, and it was just really nice to see him close to back to his best in, in his final Test series, really.
0: Yeah, very much so. I mean, we've known for a long time that he's loved Australian conditions, so it was a good way for him to uh, bow out. Uh, Now, if we just back up a little bit, it was a funny test match, really, wasn't it? I mean, Pakistan ended up taking a first innings lead after Australia lost 5 for 10 to finish their first innings. And then last night, which was Friday night, day three, the Aussie bowlers just went on an absolute blitz. Josh Hazelwood took three wickets in and over, a triple wicket maiden. And, Lou, I want to know what it was like inside the SCG during that penultimate, <clears throat> during that penultimate over because it must have been insane it was yeah and you know I didn't think I'd come to Sydney and say
1: this but that was the loudest roar I've heard all summer and I reckon we'll take some beating wow um, kind of yeah kind of topped anything that we had at the MCG um, during that test like that's normally the ground where we get the biggest kind of um, you know the biggest noise uh, for you know during test cricket in Australia but Um, that was a great test as well in Melbourne, but there were no like moments like what Hazelwood kind of did. Mm. Um, and you know, a game that was, you know, slightly in Australia's favour just tipped it all. You know, it was, it was basically certain that that Australia going to come here and win today after the the way he bowled. It, It was so funny the way Pakistan batted. Um, and it happened a little bit with Australia as well, but it kind of felt like, during this test that wickets were going to fall either every ball or not fall at all <laughs> um, like, <laughs> it's, and even like the the balls uh, Hazlewood bowled uh, in that over that didn't get wickets you felt like the wickets were going to fall um, on those as well and it happened even a little bit in Pakistan's first innings when um, you know they're both their openers got out for ducks and then they kind of went really quickly they slumped to uh, 5 for 96 and, and then lost a bunch of wickets at the tail and then Jamal you know put on 87 or whatever it was for the for the last wicket Um and then you know Australia actually lost you know they as you mentioned they lost 5 for 10 in their first innings <laughs> and Pakistan lost the exact same uh, amount uh, and then when they came back this morning um, it actually kind of looked like um, that they might be able to put a, a total together that Australia might have ch- chasing with, uh, Rizwan and, and that man Amir again, kind of, kind of batting quite nicely in the morning. But, um, you know, it wasn't to be for them, but just a, you know, a really plucky effort from them. Like, um, it kind of, um, they just kind of unearthed some, some, you know, really good players. I, I think Salman Aliaga, like he's been around for a while, but he really showed that, um, he's, a, he's a top player. Amir Jamal hopefully will, will be around for quite a while. Um, why was Mahmud Rizwan not playing the first test? I'll I'll never know. And there are even good signs from Sayemayu um, in this uh, test. Us three drop chances that <laughs> made a dark in the first <laughs> games. You can see why they picked him uh, the way
0: he did in the second. Yeah, certainly lots of green shoots for this Pakistan side, which is in a bit of a transition stage at this point in time. But eleven drop chances. And a lot of crucial stages throughout the series has really cost Pakistan. The series could have been a lot different if they had have held those. And Shan Masood, the captain, was responsible for a couple of them. But what did you make of his first stint as captain overall, Lou?
1: Really promising signs and you could see way they uh, kind of embraced how he wants to go about it. Um, slowly over the test series. So I think they batted it, um, you know, less than three per over in the in the first test in Perth. They batted about 3.5 per over uh, in the second test in Melbourne and they were going at fours, at least in their first innings, um, where they batted the majority in this game. Uh, and, and that's what Masood wants to do. Like, he, I think he's a bit of a um, uh you know, whether fans are upward or, or someone who's paid attention to how England are going about it. He's a captain of Yorkshire over in County Cricket. Um, and I think he's picked up bits and pieces and he and he thinks that that's how, you know, test cricket should be played. I think he thinks that's um what gets the best out of modern cricketers. And it's why they dropped him on Huck, who uh, well, I don't, you know, I actually thought had done pretty well in the first two tests. Just, in, yep, it was, his strike rate was, you know, 20 or 30. Um But he was seeing off a new ball and that's not nothing in Australia. But um it wasn't fitting into the way Sean uh, wanted to play the game. And, uh you know, he's got guys like Rizwan and, um, and even Ayub in later in the series to, to kind of push the tempo. Um, so, you know, hopefully we continue to see that for Pakistan. And I think we'll work in their home conditions, right? Because, um, they got Baz, they were one of the first kind of victims of baseball, if you like, when, um, England, you know, just found a, a new way of winning over there, um, especially compared to when Australia were gone in 2022. So, um, really positive signs for, for Pakistan. Um, it's just a matter of,
0: you know, then getting enough test cricket and, you know, that might be, it's a conversation for a different day, but um, there are some issues with test cricket and, and we just kind of hope that they'll be able to play enough. And just before we get to the press conferences, Lou, I want to touch on the player of the series who you mentioned, Pat Cummins. He was phenomenal, wasn't he, with 10 wickets in Melbourne and five wickets in the first innings here in Sydney. Uh, it was a terrific campaign from the Aussie captain. And while there's still two tests to go, so his summer campaign isn't over, but it's been another great return from the Aussie skipper.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could add even more wickets in, uh, against West Indies. You know, that, that lineup is looking pretty fragile. Um, and Cummins is bowling as well as he ever has. He's kind of into that, that, you know, as well. He, he did his press conference before and, um, you know, kind of suggested as much in his, you know, very, um, in his very modest way. So, um, that's super exciting for, for an attack that, um, you know, is already pretty strong even when he's, you know, only going at seven out of 10. And, um, you know, Pat obviously got asked quite a bit about David Warner in his, um, his post-test press conference, and and he had a pretty good answer about how, um, you know, they're going to have a lot of trouble replacing that kind of aggressiveness at the top of the order.
2: Yeah, you know, one thing's, you know, the style that he plays, and today he's run a ball 50-odd on a tricky wicket. Um, but also, you know, test cricket, you you play in all kinds of conditions and losing someone who's played 100 test matches... It is pretty hard to feel because, you know, so that he's played on those kind of wickets all around the world before he knows what works, what doesn't. And, you know, brings out the reverse sweeps and starts using his feet towards the spinners and gets ahead of the game quickly. So, yeah, good reminder of what experienced and high-class cricketer Davey is and we're going to miss. Um, so, yeah, I thought the way he, he and Marnus batted today was tremendous.
0: Yeah, so Warner finishes with the most test runs by an Aussie opener now. So it goes without saying that he's going to be pretty hard to replace. But such is the nature of sport, the conversation now goes immediately to who should replace him, Lou. And I know we spoke about this a few days ago, but plenty's happened since then. There's been talk of a middle-order shift. There's been guys making runs in the Shield. Louis. which way do you think the Australian Selectors are leaning with this decision?
1: Yeah, great question. Uh, Short answer is I'm not sure. They've they've (laughs) managed to really keep their cards very close to their chest. Um, So I can say that they will have a a selection meeting, I think either tonight or tomorrow, and um, we'll probably find out who replaces him in the squad at the very least on uh, maybe Monday or Tuesday this week. Um, It'll be interesting as well, you know, say, um, let's just say, you know, Marcus Harris is the guy who comes into the overall test squad to replace David Warner, whether they'll actually say Harris will definitely play that next test against the West Indies because... Um, you know, they might, you know, even thinking about Cameron Green has been in the test squad nominally, um, but hasn't played like he, you know, potentially could come in for Dave Warner. Someone else goes up to open, uh, and then, um, you know, then they, they have another, uh, just a spare batter. So, um, whether they want to get ahead of that by, um, you know, anointing, you know, whoever it will be and, and flagging whatever the change will be, um, that will be kind of one interesting part of it. And, um, you look, if you're asking for my opinion, I, I think, you know, putting Marnus or Smith up to open is probably the best, you know, thing for the team in terms of, um, getting the next best batter in who I think is Cameron Green. The fact he bowls 140 kilometres an hour from, uh, six foot five uh, or six foot seven, you know, doesn't hurt as well. So I think that would be the best option, but I also think Marcus Harris, you know, he's been around the squad for the longest over the last couple of years. Um, he'd, he'd probably be, um, you know, not a bad option as well if they want to specialist opener which way
0: would you go josh well look up until about probably three hours ago i would have agreed with you that cameron green was the guy that had to get in but then i heard ricky ponting on channel 7 make a really strong case for cameron bancroft the uh, wa opener and he basically said that he's been averaging 50 in the shield for the last three seasons he's a specialist opener uh we should reward the form in the lower leagues let's get him in and yes in my opinion, Cameron Green is obviously going to be a superstar. He's still so young, though. We know that he's going to come back into the side at some point. So does it have to be right away?
1: Well, and Cameron Bancroft is easily the best, I was going to say easily the best fielder of the candidates. Well, maybe Cameron Green might be slightly better, <laughs> but um, there's no doubt that he's, he's a better fielder than Marcus Harrison and, and even Renshaw who might be a little bit further back. Um, a really versatile guy who can go in at short leg and can go in at um, you know, the slips cordon as well. So that's something in his favour. Look, I think over the journey, like over the last three or four years, Harris and Bancroft's numbers aren't actually that dissimilar. Mm. Um, and you yeah, know, yeah, Bancroft probably has been better the last year or two. Um I, I guess the other bit that, you know, might count against Bancroft is the strike rate part of it. And there's gonna be a piece up on cricket that are you probably in the next day or two about about this, but Um, you know, that that top order as it stands, you know, the other three members of the top four, Collider, Smith and Marnus, they're all batting pretty slowly and, you know, Marnus and Smith have regressed quite a bit in terms of their strike rates. Uh, We should probably actually um, hear from Pat Cummins himself about what he thinks in terms of, um, you know, how how their next opener should play.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's obviously going to be really hard to replicate Davey and what he's um, brought to it, so, yeah I think you, you kind of look for who's best placed to 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 score runs really, but I, I think in Test cricket, there are some things that remain true, and that is you, you've got to be putting the pressure on the opposition, you've got to be ticking over the scoreboard um, you know not always, but most of the time you've, you've got to keep the scoreboard moving along, so they're considerations um, but realistically, you know if anyone's scoring runs in in shield cricket, it's probably a good sign they can do that in the next level too.
0: Yeah, so it's going to be a fascinating. Watch this space over the next 11 days before Australia take on the West Indies in Adelaide in the NRMA Insurance Test Series there. All the coverage is going to be on cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. Don't forget, if you need a bit of international cricket in this break and the Big Bash just isn't quite enough for you, well, will jump over to the Scoop podcast, which you can find uh, exactly where you're listening to this podcast. And the girls over there are going to be celebrating Elise Perry, who plays her 300th match. That's on Sunday night, Monday morning. It's in India. She's had a fantastic career. So if you're a fan of Elise Perry, which we all are, get over there and listen to the Scoop podcast. Louis, it's been a pleasure as always, mate. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Unplayable podcast, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia. Great. Look
1: forward to chatting near the Adelaide Test.